Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Swans Big Footy Podcast. My name is Bonds. Joining me today, we have Swans Rule 100. Good evening. Robbie Ando. Good evening. The Mace. Good evening. And Norris. Hello. Now, the reason we are bringing a second podcast to in a matter of two days is due to the whole Eddie Maguire Pridham rant about our academy and we're getting a little bit sick of it. So we may as well get beginning with how the New South Wales academies are set up. And Mace, do you just want to talk about how what the state of AFL is in New South Wales at the moment? Yeah, particularly in um, in the western part of Sydney, it's very very underdeveloped. Um, certainly, the AFL has had a stronger hold through certainly the North Shore and probably the Pennant Hills, um, the Hills District for for a significant amount of time. And and through the GWS zone, um, what you tend to get is you get a lot of parents helping out, but there's not a lot of background in AFL. So you've got a lot of people who haven't been involved in the code um, for any portion of time teaching kids. How to play football, um, and, that, and that has flow-on effects all the way up through through the age groups. So I'm still teaching kids um, the basics of, of kicking, shepherding, and, and the basics of football. Um, so the, the gap between between you know a, a Melbourne or a, or any other competition through Australia um, compared to the eastern states um, is significant. Um, so yeah. Now I wanted to ask you, um, how many kids do you see generally joining your club? every year compared to, let's say, kids that would be signing up to a rugby or a soccer club? Um, probably don't have a comparison point. Um, certainly at, at my age group, under 17s, we get maybe a, a trickle, one or two every year that might join up. Um, the Oski programs are reasonably strong, um, at, particularly at my club. Um, but then again, it, it, it's down to the individual club as to, to how successful they are in that area. So my club... Um, are particularly proactive, um, have a quite a large zone, whereas our club next door to us um, is almost falling apart. It doesn't have the middle age groups. So we've got age groups sort of under nines through to 17s, and they're sort of missing every second age group. So it really depends from, from club to club. Um, and this particular club been around for 30 years versus us for 10. So, um, and they're the ones that are, that are struggling, not us. So it does vary from, from club to club. Um, yours kick is reasonably good, but as I said, the coaching and um, development is just not there um, to get these kids to the standard they need to be to compete with the other the other states. Do you guys get much input from either the Sydney Swans or GWS Academies? Um, we do have GWS have been um, have been reasonably good. Um, GWS they link um, a player with each club. Um, so we had uh, actually Jed Lamb was um, the guy and Shane Mumford. I've got a merged club at the moment, so I've got the best of two Swans that actually left. <laughs> interestingly enough, um, so there, there's a bit of support. They what tends to happen though, and there was recently a. Um, uh, they had a, a kids' day, and it tends to be a bit of a, a merchandise recruitment drive, and, and on probably less on what it should be around footy. Um, they do come along, though. The players, the players do not so much the coaching staff from GWS, um, and do run training sessions, but um, players don't run drills, um, so we, we end up running the drills most of the time anyway. So there is a, some involvement there, um, but but probably not to the extent that there could be. They tend to pick the players that they um, they need for the academy and, and yeah, it's sort of it. 
Okay, now we'll get onto the Swans Academy and how they actually select players. There are a few different pathways to how a player can get selected by an academy. We can't just go out and pick every single kid willy-nilly, obviously, because we just wouldn't simply have the resources to do it. So right now, the main pathway is if you're another, an under 10s, 11s, or 12 player, you've got an athlete assessment trial. So basically, you come into the Swans simply for an audition. This will allow them to pick which kids are enjoying football in the most and which ones have the most potential athletically. After this, you've got the Kieran Jack Talent Search Program, which is only invitation only. This is when the club would be sending scouts out to local clubs as the mates was talking about before and identifying youngsters that have a particular amount of talent and they'd have to be involved in some sort of junior sport. That being said, if they're at either 13 years or above, they can't get drafted into the academy if they've played AFL before. So that's falls underneath the alternative talent program. Once players eventually go through the age groups, there is quite a severe cutting in both the Sydney Swans Academy and the GWS Academy of players, and they hope that players that have been trained up in the academy that they don't think will reach AFL standard will go to local clubs and help out with coaching and youth development and try and pass on some of the tricks and basically fitness programs they have learned at this once and hope that this improves New South Wales in total. Now, as Maguire has tried to say a few times, we do not get these players for free once they go into the draft. It is a father-son bidding process. So, we'll use Isaac Heaney because obviously he's the youngster that's making the biggest fuss at the moment. Let's say the Western Bulldogs put down, made a bid of pick five for him this year. We would get him at our next available selection. So we are not going to be picking up as a rookie. And we did not pick up Paris as a rookie as a New South Wales youngster last year. He was drafted under the now defunct New South Wales scholarship scheme. Now, Norris, I believe you wanted to talk about the academy and if it was taken away from GWS, how this would affect New South Wales football in general? Well, the big thing at the moment, of course, a big thing that affects both the Swans and the Giants is that at the moment they have very few local players. That means there's, less, there's not a clear pathway that they can see at the moment until you see players coming through. That obviously would have an effect on junior development and as well the fact that they do have to bring in players from interstate so much means they really have to work a lot harder to guard against the come-home factor. If something goes wrong there, of course, you see what happens with the Brisbane Lions with their exodus last year and, of course, that's something that the Swans and the Giants really have to work hard against. Um but once you've got their pathway coming through, that they can see the the, the, the steps, how how that there is a there, there is a process in which a local player can make their way up into the AFL and into the Giants and the Swans. That 
gives them a reason to play Australian football rather than playing soccer or rugby or something else. Now, I wanted to ask you actually, just in regards so from a new from basically a GWS standpoint. How important is the academy going forward? Like, we understand from... We've managed to get by without it in the past from Sydney, but if you look at the late 90s and even early 2000s, we were losing a fair few first-round selections due to homesickness. Do you believe that this is even more detrimental and more important to your club? Uh, Potentially so, because they have so many young players. Um, They've really worked hard at their welfare aspects so that we haven't had a mass exodus yet but of course that's always a risk okay then now i did want to um talk robbie you, you had some thoughts on the academies and basically some inside information yeah well as norris was saying in regards to the go home you know the go home factor that will become a major issue for GWS once um, they have to start cutting their lists. And the other issue they face also is, as he pointed out, and and the same for us, is that we have rugby league, rugby union and soccer to compete against. So if there is... Most players are able to, you know, say in Sydney or in the rest of New South Wales can say... Look, I can stay home in my home state, and there's a pathway through, say, to stay in, in Sydney. Whereas, if in AFL they don't have that pathway, they say, "Look, I could end up anywhere in Australia." And whilst that is true for most players who play AFL, where in Victoria, South Australia, Western Australia, more likely than not, they'll end, most most of them will stay in state with us. We don't have we have to go up against other sports, whereas in the other states such as here in Victoria, that's not the case. So I think it's it's very disingenuous of Eddie to suggest we're hoarding players, hiding players, and not even using it to develop players. And we don't... It, it's, it's something that I think is... It just enrages me that it, it, he's been so short-sighted on this issue. Can I just jump in and make another quick point? Yeah, go for um, it. When you were talking before about the uh, academy selection working like a father-son, and, of course, Collingwood are likely to pick up a player under the father-son that Darcy otherwise Moore would be going very early, Darcy Moore, mm-hmm. otherwise would be going very early in the draft. Of course, GW West won't get a father-son pick for a generation. Yeah, that's great. And... And that, that's an issue that, you know, faces also the Gold Coast as well. And Absolutely. And I, I think, you know, this is a short-sighted issue because there are two players that have come through this, the, the academy system in our, in our zone itself. If these players had come through, say, um, Brisbane zone, there wouldn't be a fuss because Brisbane are down the bottom of the ladder, no issue. But because it's come through Sydney's zone, it, it's, a, it's an issue because oh, we can't see Sydney getting an advantage. Now, Swan's rule, 
You wanted to have a few choice words about Eddie Maguire and the whole Pridham debate. Uh, yeah, I guess um, I'm always happy to have a, have a go at Eddie. Um, I guess my fundamental problem with the whole thing is that I don't necessarily have a problem with what he says. It's just the, the way he says it and how often he gets to say it because I guess in this case, I, I, I mean, I do disagree with what he's saying and I agree with Robbie Ando's point that he's being very short-sighted and there's, he focuses on whatever issue suits him. He doesn't look at the whole picture and he seems to change facts to suit his story, a bit like big footy posters. But uh, is, he, is he a club president or is he a media personality? And you can watch like a Friday night game, maybe Adelaide Hawthorne, I don't think he was part of that coverage, and the prospect of the Fox studio and he manages to lump in something about the Swans and the Academy and Cola in that sort of um, forum and we're not even playing in the damn game like, and then he's got his Ed and Durham show where again he just has a go a constant chance to have a go at everyone else and no one else can say anything back and I mean it goes back to last year with his, his comment like that everyone has a go at Adam Goods for pointing at that girl in the crowd and her, and then Eddie was quick to condemn her, but I think what he said was actually considering his position and what had happened. His comment about the the ape was way worse. Um, yeah, he, it's allowed to go on. He's allowed to say what he wants, and the AFL constantly turns to this bloke and, and let him do what he wants. Like he's on the equalisation committee. Why the hell is he on the equalisation committee? Why uh, Geelong going to be taxed five hundred thousand versus Collie was nine hundred thousand or whatever it is on given the difference in profit because it suits Eddie. Why does everything run through Eddie Maguire? Like why do we have to have things approved by him? And what shoots me is that the Academy, the Cola, everything these weren't issues that these weren't things Sydney brought in themselves. These were voted on by all the clubs that included Collingwood. And I think when Eddie lived in Sydney, didn't he say he could understand the need for a cola, but now we've won a premiership and we we can beat Collingwood, it's a it's an issue. But where was he when we were rubbish? That's what shoots me. Like, have a go at us when we're bad and getting these so-called advantages. Don't, not when it's just – it's like a fan at a pub. You can't win, so he has a reason why they didn't win. Um, but, I mean, if we're going to equalise the game, when, when are Collingwood travelling as much as the Swans do? And when, when are they we getting – and other teams getting the same free-to-air rights and the share of Anzac Day and the blockbuster games and the, the good time slots and the third-party deals? I think – Someone, I think it might have been Punts on an old podcast, mentioned Travis Cloak during his contract, went and sat down with Kerry Packer. I mean, what the hell is that about? Or, you know, like plenty of Collingwood players bob up at Triple M or the footy show. It was actually Jonathan Brown who sat down with Kerry Packer. Jonathan Brown, yes. Yeah, so he was going to be on Channel 9, was he? Like, that's a coincidence. Our players don't get that. There's plenty of facts to show why the Cole is there, but Eddie ignores that instead of arguing the issue legitimately, just attacks the team. That's what annoys me, but... Oh, have a problem with it, fine, and let's discuss it, but don't use your TV show as a forum to just attack a club that's up and about and being successful and put and, and leave half the facts out of the story. I mean, other things like Collingwood don't travel as much as I said. The grand final, if we finished first on the ladder and Collingwood finished eighth and scraped into the grand final, it'll be played at their home ground. Now, I don't have an issue with the that's tradition. The grand final's at the MCG. I don't mind that, but it's still an advantage, but we're not worried about that advantage. We're only worried about... Cola and the academies and stuff like that. That's just what shits me. I mean, at the end of the day, he's just a fat chin, big-headed racist fuckhead, and I'm just sick of hearing him <laughs> on TV. And that, and that's that's keeping calm about it because, as I said, have a problem with the academy, have a problem with Cola, but there's an appropriate time to challenge people on that issue. You're either a club president or you're on TV. Make a choice, preferably be a president because I'm sick of your 
fat asshole face on my TV. Look, That's all I've got. I'm going to be really honest. Um, you've echoed, I think, every single Swans fan's thoughts perfectly. It gets really depressive that every single time I want to watch a media show about the AFL, they're insulting our club. We're playing great football on the field, yet they never talk about how many reserve selections we have in our teams. They talk about the players we have stolen from other clubs. And if you have a look, okay, besides Tippett and Franklin, and even then free agency, anyone else could have bid. We were the ones that had enough nerve to put in a nine-year contract, and it doesn't have Kohler in it. So no one else can argue about that either. Look, they don't talk about our second and third round selections. They don't talk about the players like Nick Smith or Luke Parker. Yeah, the or Adler we... or Rampy or people who other clubs could have kept or had training yeah. with them. Our, like, nine, our nine rookie... On the weekend, we had nine players from the rookie list. Um, we had, you know, only three players who were top 12 in the national draft versus 10 from Carlton. You know, it's... You know, it's the lopsidedness. You know, we only we're only good because we get all these advantages. I'd like to know where these how how these advantages. You know, it's the misinformation that's spread. The worst thing is Eddie has this fanatical belief that all the AFL clubs are lining up behind him. But the problem is, yes, Eddie, they are lining up behind you, but they're all got their knives sharpened, waiting for you to slip up. Because I tell you. A club called Carlton aren't happy with some of the deals you've got with the MCG. They want to make sure that they can get a similar deal at the MCG. But you know, Collingwood play what play Carlton away once a year. Eddie's got a nice sweetheart deal with with the MCG. Carlton don't get their same corporate facilities. They don't get the signage rights. They don't get their rooms. They don't get their seating. You know person who puts in for, you know, their corporate facilities and their corporate ticketing for 11 home games doesn't get it for once. They only get it for 10 because they're playing Collingwood. Collingwood take all the corporate ticketing. Eddie makes out that he's done it all, done all these great things for clubs. Clubs do not like Collingwood. They do not like Eddie because all these sweetheart deals and all these favours he so-called does. He doesn't do any favours for him. What I what I find interesting is um, everyone goes on about you know poaching players from from teams, but Tippin and Franklin both declared their interest to leave. I mean, we didn't poach them; they, they were on the free market. Everyone could make an offer, and we were the only club with the foresight and the balls to put ourselves on the line and and think outside the square. And ultimately, I think the other clubs are um, are ruining the fact they didn't think of it. Well, yeah, and, but, course, and Robbie made the key point because earlier about if it was Brisbane or if it was GWS. People were happy when Tippett was going to the Gold Coast or Franklin was going to GWS because they're shit clubs at the moment. So, But heaven forbid he goes to a decent club. You, you can't win a premiership and add a player. I mean, you can't be a good club and add Brian Lake or, um, you know, McAvoy. Or, or Sean anything Burgoyne. Like that. Yeah, that's ridiculous. So there's no way we could possibly afford to add new players. But if this salary cap was a big war chest, why would we get rid of Mumford and have a Canadian rugby player rucking for us on the weekend. As good as Pike is, and I'm not even a go at him, but if if the cola was this great advantage, you wouldn't get rid of Mumford. You wouldn't you'd probably keep White for the reserves. You you wouldn't get rid of Everett. Look how well he's going. It, oh. We've 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 clearly got rid of the players. If anything is it close to a rod, it's probably the veterans list that we get away us and Geelong benefit from. 
that's, that's probably the bigger benefit as well. So, and, that, and that's for every club. But I'm saying, if you want yeah. to have a look at where we're getting an advantage, just because we've got more old farts than just about every team. Exactly. We, I mean, ultimately, you look at advantages. I mean, you look at Carlton, look at St Kilda. I mean, how many first round draft picks are on these lists? I mean, it's, it's it's a failure of the club to develop these players and their top down structures that are the problem. It's not it's not advantages of money or finances. Yeah, and they're the clubs that are crying out. Eddie's saying, "Oh, what about these clubs? They're the ones that are starved success." Well, I'm sorry. They're the ones that deliberately bottomed out for success. Yep. yep. And when success didn't come, they're bottoming out again. I'm sorry. Why should we apologise for good list management? And they're the same middle class clubs that Eddie is happy to tax the teeth out of at the same time reducing the tax on his own club. Yeah, like a club like Geelong comes out and you know says that Eddie's a hypocrite and then Eddie, of course, uses his radio show to launch a blistering attack. Carlton won't say a word publicly, but privately they're furious at Collingwood. And then you've got us. We come out, and he's, we, you know, Pridham, you know, last night on his show, he's having it go. Pridham's only been here for five minutes. Pridham t- tweets back, "Been here for thirteen years." Then he goes, "Swans voted against Giants vote being voted in." Then t- Pridham tweets out, "No, I was no, in the meeting." The best thing we, about- we voted for him. There's the a, best a thing about the commission meeting, being concerned about the viability of our of our club in a in a non AFL city and and not wanting to grow the game, There's a big big difference. Oh, look, we yeah, we have. We, there's one thing about being concerned, but he's saying that we did we voted against. Yeah, exactly. Choice of words is is wrong. Yeah, sure, we were concerned. So should so so should we? You know, we're, yeah. we've got to be viable for for the state. We've been around for in 130 years. We had every right to have some self interest in in wanting to keep ourselves afloat, um, as well as wanting to grow the game. But we need to get the balance right, and that's all our concern is. Not about voting against. Yeah, and there was only one man the other day talking about there's too many spuds in the league now because there's 18 teams and we're spreading it too thin. And it wasn't the Sydney Swans chairman saying that. No, it was another club president. That's why the academies exist, to grow the yeah, talent pool. Absolutely. Exactly. Uh, the hypocrisy of Eddie is, uh, other people is astounding. And this is what is starting to really, you know... <laughs> The worst thing about the academy and even the talent pool is like people are complaining that the talent pool isn't big enough and that, and then they're saying we're getting these kids for nothing. We're putting four or five years worth of development and our own money into these kids to make them passable footballers. And even then, out of every kid that joins the academy, it's going to be probably a one in a hundred or a one in one hundred and I think the statistic is like, one in every 118 players that have come through to Swans Academy has made it onto our list so far. And that is a huge financial resource. These other kids that are getting trained for the academy are going to be joining local clubs and growing the game elsewhere in New South Wales. It has a lot more benefit than just one or two kids that eventually will get top 10 in the system. That will occasionally happen, but it isn't going to happen every year. After Mills and Heaney in two years' time, we don't have many players coming through the under-16s. That's great. Tell them that otherwise wouldn't exist. Exactly. And, you know, I guarantee a club will bid second-round pick for Abe Davis and most likely the Swans won't match that bid. 
We'll be matching the bid bag, Davis. Just because I would, it's, I would, we I have would. to because of the fine the financial development we have put for him, the financial commitment. I'm saying, you know, there's a chance we could, we might not match that bid. But if, and so that seems that's a player that could end up the, into the draft pool. And if you know, if he does, if he goes through the draft, he could get him on the rookie list. The, the player that may is, not, like, I think the best actual player that we could be talking about would be Steele from GWS. They may not pick him up because they've got a bit of a euphoria and similar players at the moment. But he'll be a very good AFL player, and you'll get onto a list somewhere else. Oh yeah, and one the, the best one I think is Harry Cunningham. He went through the Giants Academy, and he's on our list. Well, I, I'm sorry, but this is not a, a, a go at the Giants because we know that what reason why he couldn't end up on the Giants list. Why didn't any of the other sixteen clubs, especially the Victorian clubs, the the Victorian clubs are so smart, why didn't they pick him up? And you look at someone like Dane Rampey, who he'd been playing in Victoria for about four years, about four drafts in a row he nominated for, was never picked, came yep. back to Sydney, played a year with Uni New South Wales Eastern Suburbs, won the AFL medal, went through the draft. Any club could have picked him, nobody did, went to the rookie list. Swans took the punt. Of yep. course, he got elevated, he's our regular senior player. Any other club could have had him in one five years. He trained with the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs didn't take the punt. And you think, why are we bothering with this? We're putting a million dollars. We're putting a million dollars of our own money in. Actually, I should rephrase that. We're putting a million dollars of QBEs and the Swans Foundation, which is fans and benefactors like Basil Sellers, money into our academy. And people turn around and say, no, it's the AFL handing money. It's, you know, I understand where people are saying it about the Giants, but the Giants have got sponsors to do their academy as well. But I, 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 it's, the argument on Big 40 is starting to do my head in. Now with Eddie sticking his head above the parapet, it's even doing my head in. Well, one, one uh, extra at the academy is one left in the draft pool for everyone else. So, I mean, you know. We're still leaving plenty of talent to players for everyone else, and we're leaving extras in there as well. And the other thing I do want to bring up as well, Eddie Maguire said that Sydney didn't want to develop the game in New South Wales. We said we weren't going to. That and is a two perfect an example. This is a gross misinterpretation of Absolutely. what we said. We we were worried about we were feeling left out by the AFL because they weren't putting funding into New South Wales. It was coming out of our own pockets. We were putting three, four million dollars of development into the game, having other clubs steal kids from our development. Yes, some clubs down in Victoria, not all, but some will help develop the game out there. But they've already got their own academy system in the school system, in the TAC Cup, in local football. That just doesn't exist in New South Wales. And then Mace will back me up here. Uh, absolutely, that doesn't. I mean, the, the, the you know, pathways haven't been there in the past and, they, and these offer an opportunity for young kids to, you know, to play AFL football. And not only that, I mean, you know, as you say, one a year, maybe two at best. We're pretty lucky over the next couple of years. But ultimately, you know, there's kids that don't quite make it. They go back into the system. They improve the standard of football. They become coaches. They, you know, they become parents. Their kids go through. And, and slowly but surely, the talent pool from the ground up gets better and better and better. 
But even on that point where, okay, we're going to be lucky with Heaney and Mills, it's, it's no guarantee. Like, no. How many how many top – not saying they're top ten picks, but how many top ten picks I can think of a couple of Melbourne ones like bloody Lucas Cook or whatever his name was, that sort of thing. People have been picked – Mitch Thorpe went pick yeah. six to Hawthorne. You, just because you're a good prospect doesn't mean you become a good player anyway. So it's not like we're picking up these superstars guaranteed. Yeah, exactly. They're kids. Yeah, that's all we have to develop the kids further. And there's no guarantee that, say, Heaney comes to Sydney, plays for four years and is a star, that Collingwood won't even be able to poach him anyway. There's no guarantee he's a lifelong swan. Well, yeah, and look at the point with our midfield at the moment. You know, Tom Mitchell could theoretically be poached. Um, you know, Lloyd Perris, an example, you know, Lloyd Perris, New South Wales Academy pick. Uh, yeah. Paris wasn't an academy selection. He was oh, no, he was a scholarship player. Team. Sorry, my mistake. Even look, in my ranting, I do make mistakes. <laughs> look, the thing is that it's just, from a fan's point of view, we're getting sick of it. Hmm. And it is... The, co- the constant barrage with... in, when it's not even warranted in in a Richmond security game or whatever. Yeah. It's just like, shut up. Look, I, in all honesty, I am loving Prudham at the moment. Actually standing up Teddy Maguire. Like, Geelong and the Western Bulldogs have done it at times, and Collis has done it previously before, even though him giving the bird was as a joke at the time, Maguire. It's really refreshing to see someone actually take the front foot and get on the defensive. Hmm. Yeah, we get his point. He doesn't like it. Go away. And while we're on Eddie, the, the attack on John Longmire during the week, I mean, he, he doesn't want to give up his summer to work with that little garden gnome and Eddie, maybe it's just because you're a dickhead, Eddie, and he doesn't want to go away with you. Like, I don't yeah. think it, it didn't need a media statement. And even, it didn't need, now he's coming, he didn't release a media statement. He was just given a, you know, Damien Barry called him up. I, I think that's the same thing. A statement, he, he gave him a statement. And you've called him pity. It gave him a page and a half of something, so it's not a, maybe it's an essay. And the thing is, regardless of what it is, he didn't he didn't know why Longmire knocked the job back. Yep, I mean we all know that Longmire didn't say I'm not going because yeah. he's a fucking yeah. idiot. He goes, I didn't. He didn't say if it was because of the current how Eddie's you know currently carrying on in regards to our club. Most likely, he's going on because of the, the statement last year because of goods. You know, if if, if I was the coach, if I was Longmire, I'd be saying no thanks, and I'll be instructing my players to say no thanks. I, I'd, I'd like to know what the AFL are doing. I mean, they've let they've let this situation roll on and get totally out of hand from from the cola from from everything. Um, they continue to allow misrepresentations to be put into the media, and they don't address it. And then it's now it's getting it's becoming a problem. To the point that you know Sydney are having to stand up and defend themselves in in unique fashion. We've actually asked we've asked the AFL on a few occasions to make a statement saying we're using the caller correctly, and they didn't say anything. Yep, they didn't yeah, come if, out if and the make AFL a statement. Balls, then the Asada thing wouldn't still be dragging on either. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Look, the AFL won't stand up to Eddie. They won't tell. They, you, they won't. They won't stand up to him. They won't come out and correct misinformation. Like the cola, everyone believes we just had a extra amount put on the end of our salary cap, which enabled us to go get extra players when it was actually distributed equally amongst the players. When the 
so when when the club released the press release about how actually it was actually used, no one even believed it. And then it's the, it's the same with Melbourne didn't tank it, but they're being punished. The SADA, the Cola, the AFL have no transparency and they treat their fans with contempt and never explain anything. And then you get misinformation and people like Eddie pushing their own agenda. No one corrects them and it perpetuates itself and takes on a life of its own. And then every single person is an expert on Cola, an expert on the academy. And there's other issues for other clubs that everyone's an expert on because there's no correct information out there. So Eddie's a dick, but the AFL have a lot to answer for, as you say, because they're not they're not coming out there and correcting these things. There's no report that shows exactly where the cola went. So you can understand sometimes why a misinformed fan would go, well, hey, you're stockpiling it, because where's the information for them? Where's the ambassador information? And where's all that? But no one knows how things work. Well, the thing is, you know, it does look bad when we go out and get tip at one year and then buddy the next. But when... The, the graphic was shown on um, on the couch where we did release players. You know, when you lose a CB, when you lose a Jude Bolton, when you lose a White... Even in 2012, we're still nearly, playing Bradshaw. And it, well, that one's, I think, debatable. But, you know, we lost nearly $2 million worth of players. So it was easily shown. We You could just show who, who we delisted the first year, who we delisted the second year, who we added in both years... And you could easily say, that's where we made the money. But people will say, yeah, there's no way you could be paying Jesse White $300,000. And I'm saying, how do you know what we pay our players? We know what we pay our players, but you come out and say, oh, you can't be paying him that. We, it, it just, it was, you know, Jared Moore was on three hundred grand, and he was let go in the end of 2012. So... It, it's mind-boggling that, you know, people just don't see the big picture. The Swans should be, should be applauded. I mean, at the end of the day, they've, you know, they've recruited two, a couple of marquee players that, you know, that will significantly improve us as, as a team. But we, we've shown an um, immense amount of faith in our system um, to to get the best out of all of our players. We've, we've chosen a road um, that says that you've got to have your best 22 on the park to win a premiership. And then we've relied on our system um, to increase the depth. And, and everyone looked at the end of last year and went, well, where are we going from here? Look at the depth. It's all gone. Oh, look what's shown up this year. You know, other players pop up and our system continues to churn out quality players. And that's where the other clubs should be looking at us with envy and going, what are these guys doing differently to churn these players out? Pointing, yeah. Case in point or whatever, Jeremy Laidler playing yeah. against his old side on the weekend and he's part of the top of the ladder side performing well. Oh, well, that one's... That was purely out of spite. That, that's a Malthouse spite. And but again, course, any club could have picked him up. I bet he's, yeah. I bet he's not on big money. No, he'll, he'll be due for increase. Definitely. Yeah. And, of course, with uh, Cola going back to that briefly, what it really is, in effect, is uh, living away from home allowance right. because the Swans and the Giants need to recruit so many more players from interstate, which, of course, therefore takes more money to retain those players. Um, and, of course, and, of course, the Swans and the Giants take in a lot more players from interstate than the Victorian clubs do. Of course, that's going to require more money. Of course, well, once we get to a point where um, we're too 
in 18 players through the AFL system are from New South Wales, then there'd be no need for collar anymore. But, of course, that's a long way off. But, and a system like the academy system is our best chance of getting there. That's that's what the irony of all this is, is that the collar exists to ret- essentially, in my opinion, to retain um, players from interstate. And the academy exists to ensure allowed. that we get more players from locals. We don't need it. Yeah. It'll balance itself out over time. Absolutely. The academy is bringing more players through. Coal will be gone, and it will be no, you know we'll have more New South Wales based players, and that'll be the same for the Giants. They'll have more more New South Wales based players, and they'll have no need for the collar. And of course, that will give so many so many kids both in the Giants zone and in the Swan zone something to really aspire to when they can see the locals coming through. Yeah, academies are going to help that happen. Exactly. And again, it comes back to, though, I don't recall many complaints about the Cola or the Academies prior to 2012 or prior to this year or even around five this year when we were apparently in a heap of shit and Buddy was the worst thing to ever happen. But now it's an issue. That's that's where I lose a lot of respect for the arguments against because where were you a few years ago when it was – why wasn't it an issue then? It's only become an issue when we start winning. And I'll point to the post on the Swans Talk in Football Media, page 31, post – 751 by Got the Goods. I, I would suggest anyone listening go read that because I think that sums up the whole argument why people misrepresent, you know, just have this is all wrong. It's the best post on the whole issue. You know, it's basically an us against them mentality at the club now. Um, you know, it's just, it's, you know, saying, why we've got players and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then it's basically misinform- just more about the misinformation. It's the best rant I've read on Big Footy in quite some time. Yes. Now, on, the, now yeah. on that actual final rant, we do recommend you all go and see Got the Goods' final post. Thank you for listening to tonight's special broadcast of the Swans Big Footy podcast. My name is Bond Sonata. I've been joined by Swans Rule 100. See ya. Robbie Ando. See ya. The Mace. Thanks, see ya. And Norris. Good night. Have a great night and get stuffed, Maguire.